Well, I hope everybody had an enjoyable Thanksgiving. I know at the Woods House we had a, a wonderful day. And if you were here last week, in light of the sermon, I hope that there was no fire at any of your Thanksgiving tables. <laughs> I know there was none at ours. It was wonderful. It's kind of interesting, too, hearing Zeb earlier talking about the Advent book. You can take the preacher out of the pulpit, but you can't stop him from preaching. <laughs> That's great. I love him. Okay, today we're going to take a look at Psalm 100. It is titled, A Psalm for Giving Thanks. If you're looking for it in the Bibles and the seatbacks, it's on page 469. The Psalms are awesome. They're the easiest book in the Bible to find because if you pick up your Bible and open it to the middle, you'll be right in the Psalm somewhere. That is unless you have a study Bible, then you're about a third of the way through. So anyway, this Psalm is actually very special to me. Approximately, I don't want to admit this, but it's true, 60 years ago, as a small boy, uh, here in a church, a faithful church in town. I attended either a Sunday school or a vacation Bible school. And this was the first piece of scripture that I ever memorized. Now, I didn't remember it all, but I have remembered the first verse. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. As I said, I was only about seven years old then. It took around 20 more years for the Lord to get a hold of me. I was not serving him, and I was not walking the way that I should. But the interesting thing was this verse never left me. God put it in my heart. He ingrained it into my soul. And I knew, in spite of all the awful things that I was doing, the life that I was living, that it is good to serve him and that we should be making a joyful noise to him. So parents, or just anybody in general, don't ever think these verses that you're teaching your children are not sinking in, because the Lord's going to make them come back to what he wants them to do. Okay, let's read the psalm here. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Now, if you were here last week, or actually even just a few minutes ago, you'll see or you'll remember that Ruth Ann actually led us in the singing of this psalm. It's been added to music several different ways, which is nothing unusual for the Psalms. And in fact, in quite a number of them, you will see up there at the title, it will say the words, to the choir master. And in Ephesians and in Colossians, the Apostle Paul tells us that we are to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, you might say to me, wait a minute, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What's the difference? There is a small differentiation, and this is kind of a, a back and forth between a lot of people. A lot of them say that semantics, that psalms and hymns are almost the same, but they're not. A hymn is a song of praise written by men and women to lift up the Lord's name. The difference is that this right here is where the psalms are located. And by virtue of the fact that the psalms 
are in the Bible, they are inspired text from God, not to God. Hymns are wonderful. They've got a lot of scripture in them quite often, and they're inspired by scripture. But if somebody ever says to you that the Psalms and the hymns are identical, that's not true. As I said, the Psalms are inspired text. Just wanted to give you that little side note there. No charge for that one. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's get into the verses here. Verse 1. Verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Sometimes we think about seeing people that are Christians. You'll see somebody walking around, those of you who are old enough to remember who Eeyore is, the donkey on Winnie the Pooh. Walking around as Eeyore Christians. Well, I guess I'll, I'll give praise to God. I guess so. If I have to, it's like, really? Who wants to be like you? That's not what it says here. It says make a joyful, joyful noise unto the Lord. And that's something that we have to keep in mind. But what I'm not saying is that we need to put on the fake emoji face like we do on our phones and stuff. And, oh, everything's wonderful. In fact, life is hunky-dory. Now, there again, I'm, those of you that don't know what the words hunky-dory means or the phrase, it means pleasant, fine, wonderful, everything's just great. And we all know that's not always the case. In fact, ask the person who has just received that diagnosis from the doctor with the word of the words none of us ever want to hear. Or how about the person that's dealing with an emotional turmoil, a struggle that's going on in their life right now? You really think joyful is the word that's happening in their life and in their heart? I don't think so. Let's take a look at a few biblical examples. Noah. We all know the story of Noah. This man was told by God to build an ark. Before God told him to build the ark, he said, I'm going to destroy the earth. For over 100 years, he built this ark knowing what was going to happen. And then the scripture says that God put him in and closed the door or shut him in. In some translations, it says, at that point, Noah knew every living thing on the planet, with the exception of he and those in the ark, were going to die. And in most cases, it probably wasn't a just lay down and go to sleep death. It was judgment on a sinful world from God. Not sure that joyful would have been the word that would have been going through Noah's mind at that point. And then how about King David? This gentleman, for two different circumstances, was running for his life. Once from the rejected king of Israel, King Saul, who tried to kill him on numerous occasions. And then even worse, for those of us that are parents, his son, Absalom, tried to kill him. In fact, in Psalm 22, David uses these words. He cries out and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Interestingly enough, these are the same exact words that the Lord Jesus called out when he was hanging on the cross. In Isaiah 53, speaking of Jesus, he is described not as a joyful guy, but as a man of sorrows. Right before Jesus was betrayed and arrested, 
He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, we've all heard the term sweating bullets. That means you're nervous, you're anxious about something. That's not the term that's used in the scripture about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says that he was sweating drops of blood. He was in agony. He was anguishing over what was about to happen. He knew the unimaginable torture, humiliating, awful death that he was about to suffer at the hands of mankind to pay for our sins. But he went willingly. Okay, you might be saying, okay, Rich, what's going on here? I thought you said joyful. This is where the joy comes in, folks. Terrible as things are, we have to remember it's about our attitude and what happens. Because Jesus knew as awful, as horrible, as terrible as his death was going to be, in the end, he won. There was no problem there. He was the only one, the only one that could go to the cross and pay the price for your and my sins. He was the only one that could do it, and he did it willingly. What happened after he died? They put him in a tomb, and three days later, he rose victorious. He took the keys of death and held them and has them there for every person who knows him and accepts him as their Lord and Savior, confesses their sins and says, I want you to run my life. That doesn't mean that we're going to be happy, joy, smiley all the time. There's, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm not 25 anymore. And sometimes when I try to get out of bed, it's like, who just hit me with a ball bat? It's not always easy, folks, and we know that. And, and I'm fortunate. I see, I'm looking around here, and I see some folks that, here, that are here that I know it's a struggle to get here, but they're here. And that's the joy part. We know what we've got and what's coming. Jesus, he tells us in John 16, he says, you'll have tribulation here on this earth. He said, that's going to happen. But then here's the good part. He says, take joy. I have overcome the world. Take heart in that. That's wonderful. So in, in spite of all the trials, tribulations, and um, just downright awful stuff that happens to us, if we know Jesus, we know in the end, not only did he win, so do we. And that's the good thing. We're not always going to be able to smile. We're not always going to be able to be joyful. But our hearts, we can know. And I know this for a fact. Just about a month ago, we buried my sister. And she, her last few years were not good. They were not good at all. But it was wonderful the day she went home. We were standing in the hospital room. And I remember it, she was unconscious, but she was struggling. And we saw her take her last breath. And you could just see the peace. And I said, I think she just went home. She won. She won. And we all will have that eventually. Okay, in verse 2, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Two key words here, serve and glad. I mean, think about it. It's wonderful to see people that are glad to serve the Lord. Linda and I have been attending here for a little over three years now. The first year we came, you know, don't know everybody, don't know most people, getting to know folks. And about six months later was our first VBS. There was this one lady. I was a, a crew leader and this other crew leader. And this one lady, she was 
always running around doing stuff and just very infectious. She was, you could see she was glad. She was a servant. She, the kids were all hyped up, and she was doing all this great stuff. I didn't know her from, I would say Adam, but she was a lady, so I'll say Eve. I didn't know her from Eve. And I got to talking to her, et cetera, et cetera. Her name is Mindy, Mindy Spino. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's nice, whoever you are. And I thought, okay, that's a one and done, et cetera, et cetera. But no. If you know Mindy and you know the, the Sunday school program in this church, you will know that when Mindy comes in, her arms are full of teaching aids, and she's up there doing all this neat stuff. I've actually walked through her class during Sunday school and thought, heck with the sermon, I want to stay here. And it's, a, it's great. That's glad service, and that's the way that it should be. It's awesome. And another example is... Most of you know that we started a ministry here this year called Trail Life. It's a scouting, Christian scouting program for boys. There were several of us that don't have any experience with that, and we were nervous. It's like, how's this going to work? Because there's a lot of stuff involved, and we're not sure what's happening. But there's a small group of men. Some attend church here. Some don't. They attend somewhere else. But these men know how it works and what's supposed to happen. These men were glad to come in and to serve and to organize it. And those of us that had no clue to pull us along and show us what we're supposed to be doing and helping. You can see it in the boys every week. The boys are happy to come here. It's infectious. That's what glad service is. There again, not that Eeyore Christian stuff. That's, that's no good. And that's what it's talking about here. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Awesome stuff. And then come into his presence with singing. <laughs> Think about it. I was just, just thinking about that as we were standing here singing. Have you ever been into a church? Please don't take this wrong if you're, if you're of this profession. <laughs> but you, when the singing's happening, you think you've mistakenly walked into a dentist's office. <laughs> if there's any dentists here, like I said, I don't mean that as an offense. Dentists are wonderful. We need them. You know, most of the time we have to go to the dentist because of our own foolishness, and it hurts. In fact, my wife, she makes a joke. She said she was in the dentist's office one time, and she could hear the drill in the back, and it sounded like it was going, no, 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 no. It's like, okay. Well, sometimes when you go into a, to a church where people are singing like that, it's like, really? You know, uh, that, it's not fun. I... I, I love singing here. It's joyful. It's uplifting. It's wonderful. Please keep it up, folks. It's great. Now down to verse 4. You might be saying, I, wait, wait, you skipped verse 3, Rich. No, I haven't. Verse 4 is going to come first. We're going to tie verse 3 and verse 5 together. Uh, it says there in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So what the heck is that making a reference to? That was basically the temple complex. There were courts and gates in the temple complex. I don't see any courts and gates here. Do we have that equivalent today? Yes, we do. It's called this building. This is our place where we're supposed to come into. The, the courts and the gates are coming, I guess, into the parking lot and through those front doors, and we're supposed to do that with thanksgiving and praise. Uh, let's see here. We have to remember something, folks. This right here is our building. Is there anything different about this building than anywhere else? No. 
It's a building. It's what takes place in this building. It's more than just happens between 10.30 and noon, depending on how long sub goes, um, that happens here on Sundays. Let's think about it. Sunday, we start, starts before 10.30. At 9 o'clock, we have Sunday school classes in this place. And there's for children, there's for adults, just women, men and women. That's Sunday. Then you've got Monday. We have trail life. Then you've got Tuesday. There's Bible studies that are taking place on Tuesday and other business meetings. Then you've got Wednesday. Wednesday, there's several Bible studies and a dinner that takes place at night for people and children's programming. This place is jumping on Wednesdays. Thursday, there's stuff that's happening on Thursday here. There's musical practice. There's, I believe there's another Bible study that happens on Thursday. Friday, dartball, dinner and a movie. Saturday, we're not done yet. Saturday, men's breakfast, ladies' breakfast, other things are taking place. Uh, oh, now that takes us back to Sunday. Every day of the week, there is something happening in this place, and that's exactly how it should be. As Zeb says, it's great to have a noisy church. If we don't have a noisy church, guess what we have? A mausoleum. And that's not what we want here. We want, this is a building, and we want it to be used, and we want people to come here and serve gladly, learn, and teach. Oh, did you hear what I said? Learn and teach. We need you to be involved, too. There's more than just a handful of us that need to be doing this stuff. So keep that in mind. If you're not really into it, if you're not thinking, well, I really like to come to church, et cetera, et cetera, you need to ask yourself, why not? Why don't you? Why are you even coming if you don't like to? I'm not telling you not to come. Yes, you need to be here. Absolutely, you need to be here. It'll be like, hang around people like Mindy and, and Nancy Bell and others, and it'll become infectious. But remember, folks, it's just a building. It's not a sacred place. When Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, the temple, the veil was torn in two, and it's open for everyone. So we can't make it something that it's not. All right, at this point, you might be saying to me, yeah, sure, Rich. That might work for you, but I'm just not feeling it. It isn't working for me. Verse 5, take a look at it. It says, for the Lord is good. Now we go back to verse 3. For verse 3, it says, know that the Lord, he is God. And then in verse 5, it says, and he is good. The Lord is good. It's God that made us, and we are his, in verse 3. It says there. Now, there's a little bit of a, of a um, wording issue here in, in this verse 3. It says, it is he who made us, and we are his. In some translations, it will, instead of saying, it is he who made us, and we are his, it will say, it is he who made us, and not we of ourselves. In other words, basically saying, God's creator. He made everything. He's in charge, and he is worthy of all glory and honor and praise and worship and thanks. Oh, and that's only five. I could probably stand up here for another 15 minutes and tell you everything that he is worthy to receive because he is God and he is good. And those are things that we have to keep in mind. And then verse 5, the last part of the verse, it brings it all together. It says there, his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. 
Folks, God didn't just create us and go away. He didn't create us and say, good luck, Joy Caldwell. Hope you have a good life, you know. It's nice for you, Valerie, check, but nah, you know, you're on your own now. He didn't do that. God has never left us. In fact, in Jeremiah 31, 3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, how's he shown that love? That's easy. He's shown that in his son, Jesus the Christ. He sent his son, perfect and sinless, to pay the price, the penalty for sinful man. John 5, excuse me, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But we have to remember something. It's not automatic, folks. It's not, a, okay, Jesus died on the cross. We're all in. No, we have a part in that. We have to take part. It's an act of faith. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Key word there is belief. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Key word there, folks, is believe believe. And believing in this form does not mean, in, in one of my places when I was looking this up, I like these words, it does not mean an intellectual acknowledgement. That's what a lot of people want. They want to, oh yeah, 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 that Jesus stuff, yeah, that's good. You know who else says that? In James 2.19, it tells us that the demons believe, oh, how's that verse finish? And they shudder. So it's something that we have to remember, that true believing, it puts us on a path, a relationship, a life that seeks to follow and to serve the Lord with gladness and thankfulness. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. Now, one of the ways that this is, takes place is, and thankfully I wasn't able to roam too much from the podium because I was afraid I was going to fall into this baptistry over here, is baptism. In a few minutes, you're going to see an individual get baptized to show their identity with and their allegiance to Jesus. That's one of the ways that we show our belief, not being ashamed of who he is. So, if you have never experienced belief in such a way, you have questions, or you want to know what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ, boy, would we be happy to tell you and show you how that happens. The elders will be down front after the service, and we would definitely be there to show you what the Scripture says. Not what we say, not what Zeb says, not what anybody else in this room says. What the Bible says is required to be a sheep of his pasture. And that's what, it's, that's what it means when it describes us as a sheep of his pasture. We can be truly thankful because he died for us. There's always going to be trouble in our lives, folks. Please do not think I'm telling you that hunky-dory is the Christian life because anybody that knows that will tell you, if I said that, I was full of mud and you need to pull me off this platform because that's wrong. There will be trouble. There will be tribulation. But remember... We can go to him 
We can trust in him. And in the end, we win. And that's what it's all about. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. I want to thank you for the way that you give us the opportunity to be thankful just in your creation, just what you have done for us as a people, let alone the way that you provided the way for salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. We ask that if anyone here does not know him as Savior, that they would desire to come forward, that they would want to know and become one of the sheep of his pasture. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.